I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are once again to dive into another film, give you our thoughts, views, opinions, and anything else that pops into our heads related or unrelated to the film in question. And when I say us, of course, I mean my good friend, film lover, life lover, intellect, person of the world. It's Callum. Here he is once again. How are you doing, Callum? Are you excited for a nice bank holiday recording of our film review today your bank holiday starts here listening to <laughs> listening to us doesn't it uh yeah good all good um feeling a little bit pickled yes has there been a little bit of um too much life being lived in the last few days uh, yeah you could say that you could say that just um yeah just a lot of um just just booze yeah, is it is it low end boozing or pretentious boozing? No, I mean it's got to be a combination. You got to blend the two, haven't you? Yeah, a perfect mix, like a ma- master blender, oh, uh, whiskey distillery. Well, life, for, life for drinking. Is, life is one big blending, isn't it? <laughs> well, there yeah. you go. You I feel like find that right one. I feel like I've been put through a blender, but um, <laughs> you know, uh, but no, we're all good. Yeah, all good. Um, what a movie we've got to review as well in my, in, in the current state as well. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not a light one at all, is it? It's not no. gonna carry you on a cloud through a rainbow and ease you back to to goodness again. <laughs> I, I feel like you need yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and arrange that for you sometimes in the future because I feel like you do need it at some point. Yeah. Um but no, I'm mar- probably gonna march again tomorrow as well, I think. Big strike. Yeah, another strike day. Try and get the government to to listen. Um, Have you got any rallying calls for the listeners to get behind your cause? Uh, you know, just, just you know, no, I don't know anymore. I have no faith in our political system. That's a different. That's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll veer away from that. But um, you know, you've got another nice day out in London. Are you going to be heading out into the into the city, getting involved? Yeah, I'm going for a walk later today, which would be nice. Uh, and then tomorrow I'm gonna you are gonna march march across Westminster Bridge, and then I'll probably have a lovely pret. Yes, just to Any make thoughts it... ahead of time. What pret you're gonna um, indulge in? Well, they've started doing um, a veggie New Yorker on rye now, so substituting the pastrami for some really really nice cheese, but it's always like absolutely pissing in mustard. And pickled cabbage, and it's just so blooming nice. That's what um, makes it, isn't it? I remember the one that we had at the airport together, which was the the New York style one. But it's those additions. It's it the, is the pickled elements, the mustard on there, and I can see how the veggie version would work because that's where the flavour comes from. Well, you know, as all, as most all, in fact, all revolutions, all middle revolutions have started in the middle class um, hub that is Pret. Um, yeah, exactly. That's where that's where it all starts. I heard Robespierre when he was like when he was like trying to <laughs> when he when he was when he when he, when he was when he was like you know gesturing towards the Declaration of the Rights of Man. He was like, I really, I wish I had a. He, he, he didn't have a scrap of paper in his hand. He had he had a pret a manger in his hands. That's he had a he little 
white and red paper bag. Yeah, that, that that's a painting waiting to be done, yes. actually. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there's the famous picture of the, the, the dogs playing poker. They should have um, the the tennis court oath and have everyone, rather than have bits of paper waving towards um, Jean-Savon Bali, they should have like, you know, um, Pretz. Everyone in everyone in everyone in in I don't know Stoke Newington does that. Like, I was listening to um, the comedian Tim Key and listening to some of his poetry, and he writes a lot. Nice. About, uh, he said most of it's about Pret, and he read one about Pret, and I was like, everyone understands the joys of Pret, and he then went on to describe his dream Pret scenario, and I just thought, yes, it's it's at the heart, isn't it, of metropolitan <laughs> elite culture. Well, that's the thing down here. It's like when people talk about a cost of living crisis in the south, it's like they can't afford their daily prayer. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, in the in the north, they just, they we just can't afford our next pint of lager. <laughs> or oh, Greg's. Or Greg's. It's yeah. Greg's, isn't it? Like the prayer. I, I know there is Greg's in London, but it's not got the same impact. Hey, they've opened a new one now in Leicester Square. A massive one. Is a it massive, fit in? Massive Greg Gregory's. It is. I think it is. I haven't been yet, um, which is a shame, really. I never go to Leicester Square. I you had that into your walk today. Yeah, I could do actually. Yeah, yeah. Go to go to go to the Greggs and get um. Hey, well, oh, it's not the weekend though, is it? It feels like a weekend, but it's a Monday. I've got um for a free sausage roll, free sausage roll, and free coffee. From oh, Greg's they've added that now, haven't they? With the O2, the O2 app. Yeah, I'm we've done a lot. We've week. done a lot of corporate selling here, like Pret, like Greggs, O2, like. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's crack on and um, deconstruct the class system whilst reviewing oh, a film. I think we've had a, a good bit of Greg's chat there. Callum, I'll hand it over to you for one of your classic sought-after overviews of the film that we have um, watched and will be reviewing. Take it away. So we've watched a black-and-white French movie about politics, race, the deconstruction of the state um, called La Haine. Uh, which means hatred or hate. Um, and it's a 1995 crime film directed by Matteo Kosovic. As you listen, as your listeners can hear, I'm, I'm reading Wikipedia right now. Um, <laughs> so. We'll always be uh, open on this, uh, transparent on the podcast. Well, well, indeed. I, mean, I, mean, I, I couldn't, re- I couldn't remember the director's name. But I'm gonna move away from Wikipedia now and just talk about it a little bit more, freestyle it. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, so I think I might still be drunk. Um, <laughs> Get all this in. Uh, caveat all of this early. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're for anyway. a ride on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it basically, it talks. It shows the life. Well, I sorry, I say the life. The the day a daily activity of three friends from a poor neighborhood um in the suburbs of paris basically and it basically shows what they get up to over the course of a day and night um in the aftermath of some riots that have occurred in the banlieue which is um just on the outskirts of paris basically and it starts there's three characters um starts off and they're all from different parts of the world they all have slightly different experiences but they're all united by the class that they sort of seem to belong to um and 
it's quite stressful to watch in this respect because um, even though they're all from the same suburb of Paris, they're all from different parts of the world. Um, it's like an immigrant neighborhood is where it is where it's filmed. Um, it's sort of about sort of constructions of race, gender, and class, and how that kind of manifests in the politics of the state, really. Um, and there's lots and lots of nods and references to other films that deal with similar um, transgressive issues that this film focuses on, in particular um, political representation, um, gender, constructions of gender in particular. Um, yeah. And it ends with the shooting of several of these people. Thank you very much. What a lovely way to round it off. Um, as you said, Callum, this film is from 1995. And my initial reaction to it is that it felt quite timeless in many ways. It didn't feel like an older film. And I've got two theories on this. One, I don't know whether quite simply with it being shot in black and white gives it that timeless feel. Yeah. And it could have been released 50 years ago. It could have been released one year ago. But my other one is, and this is where we might get a bit more weight out of it, is that the, the issues and the exploration of society is still so pertinent in the current climate. And I think that has got a lot to be said for it because, okay, it's showing this, the low end of um, economic scale in society is a housing project, low income, high unemployment, and it's just off the back of a big riot that's happened, police against those living in the area because of the um, police brutality and severe beating of one of the guys from the neighborhood, and they want vengeance, and they're all dis they're kind of discussing the ways that they, they want to get that. And I know it's a very extreme situation and I'm not saying that particularly is the relevant bit but what that is a platform the the topics that get discussed through it are about power in society class and how economics affects different social groups and how those are based those systems are kept in place and how they affect people and obviously, as we know, without going too far into the, the kind of current politics of that, it's a it's an eternal issue. And when the economic situation in a country is more dire, those things get brought more to the surface. And I think we can relay even more to those now. So just first of all, I just wanted to react to that element where you said it was released in 1995. It could have been at any era, but it did feel very timeless and very current because of, I think, those two reasons. I also thought, it was very artistic and I don't that mean just because it was black and white and I'm putting the word artistic in there. I mean, the way that the whole thing was rounded off. I think the plot had a very deep artistry to it and the narrative arc really completed itself at the end. So there are like key artistic elements used in it, but the, the metaphor that's run throughout, which is via a kind of joke that gets told and mentioned in different bits, is about a guy falling off a multi-story building and um, on the way down, they say, what's he saying to himself? And what's the exact line, line uh, <laughs> Callum? <laughs> what's the exact line that he uses, Callum? I can't remember exactly what he says. Um, so far, so good. 
so far, so good. Right, so yeah, that's kind of the joke. Like, what's he saying to himself? So far, so good as he's falling down this building. But then the real, uh, the real decider is what happens to you when you land, when you fall, when you hit that concrete. And this kind of metaphor is used all the way through and rounds itself off all the way at the end of this basically big metaphor of seeing, well, how society can kind of go in all different ways as, as it's kind of falling and structures hold it in place. But what actually matters is when the crash happens, when the impacts at the end. So you can say what you want from that, but I feel like it works so well because a lot of the film, and this is my kind of main critique reaction, is that, yes, it's showing a dull, mundane existence in the lives of these people to really emphasise the kind of uselessness they feel and also the power that they are therefore trying to find. But a lot of the film is then just a bit dull to watch. It's... Uh, there's a there's a scene where they're just sat with one the, the younger brother of one of them as well and then it cuts to, like, one minute on in that same scene. And... I get the point of doing this, but they're in the same setting. It's just, at points, it's just kind of overly done, this idea of it's dull. Like, every scene, they're falling out. And I get this idea of, like, the disruption between them. There's friction, there's tension. But it feels at some points it's like, right, there's a lot of this without much kind of plot or giving me anything else to get to this end point. And granted, it does work at the end. And as soon as that guns fired at the end and the film finishes i'm like yes i get that that works fantastic but i feel like it's a bit of a slog to get there and to make this one point at the end there's a lot of dullness to get there and that just took away from it a bit for me because i did feel it was it was hard work to get through in some ways that gave you more because it was uncomfortable and it was tense and that was the situation they were going through but back to the two Marcus Johnson rules of a good film. Does it give you something to think about after? Yes. Is it enjoyable to watch? Not all the time. So that was just a little frustration there. But as a piece of like art, it works very well in what it's trying to do to round itself off. Callum, what was your initial reaction after watching it? Um, I mean, there's so many different layers to it. It's such a holistic film in some respects because it's not... It's about police violence, but it's also about race and class and gender and how basically the politics of the state and the mechanisms of the state keep all those things in place, in a way. Um, so there was that aspect, which we'll come back to in a minute. Um, I find it quite stressful to watch, generally speaking, um, just because the characters are constantly arguing. And it's just yeah. like, sonically, it's like, it's just in your face in a little in a way, but stylistically, that's the point of the film. It's supposed to be like that. It's the like as the viewer, you're supposed to sort of like understand the 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 exhaustion and the rage and the stress and the the annoyance and the irritation that um, exists in this particular neighborhood. Um, I mean, the most in the really interesting construct in it is is race actually because like. Um, even though they're all sort of kind of united, and I use that term very use loosely because I wouldn't necessarily argue that they are united. Um, because even even in their opinions about the police, there's still a a tension there. They disagree with sort of like what it means and that sort of like persona what the what the state is supposed to do and what the role of the police are. That's personified, of course, by the Arab the police officer, the Arab detective. 
who um, in some ways protects them in inverted commas in some respects. Um, whereas then there's that horrible scene when the other police officers basically torture um, the other the two characters um, by just by virtue of their their skin colour and their name. Um, oh, you're not French and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Um, so there's some really there's 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 certainly stuff in there about about treatment of police versus sort of poor poor neighborhoods poor french neighborhoods um and it's a movie that's kind of sort of suggesting that even though there's a sort of unity with class from a class perspective from a race perspective it's just completely isn't there i mean even even the characters the Africans, the Arabs, Chinese, like they're quite the racist to the Chinese shopkeeper, actually. So there's there's a racial tension there, and it's basically and they're sort of the way they view women as well, like they're quite misogynist as well, the way they talk about them. So you know, and it, but it's how those three constructs all manifest in the politics of the state because all of that is heightened and exasperated by the fact that they have no representation and they have no. Um, sort of like protection from the state in a way because there's that line that he says isn't it it's like um who oh not all you know the police are here to protect people and it's like well who protects us from them so it was like that was quite an, an interesting sort of dynamic for them to, to to look at in some respects i think it's quite a powerful film because it's kind of a riposte to um the sort of typical archetypical film about Paris, you know what I mean? Or like the okay, archetypical yeah. image of Paris. It's like the only Because there is that section in it where he's like he's trying to turn off the lights on the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that only happens in, in the movies. And and then it does yeah. um, go down. But like you said, it's giving and I think that's what's quite clever about it, that they do go into the center of Paris and you get that image of like a traditional Paris that you that you would see in a film, but it clashes those early scenes of like the suburbs to central Paris and well, takes that into the city. Well, exactly, and that's why like that juxtaposition between you know the outer ring of Paris and the Parisian centre. Um, there's always been a tension with that, isn't there? Ever, ever since you know when when houseization happened in the when the, the whole of Paris was completely restructured it was restructured in a way to sort of like prevent um revolt and to prevent dissent well the way that the way the city the way the city was restructured it was a way you could well, you could just basically block off the, the cultural and political hub of of the country and then it's like oh well, you, you go burn your own neighborhoods you go burn your own um places where you've been basically evicted to it's the model of most modern western cities these days um that's that has origins in the 19th century of course like the way cities are designed it's designed to sort of like prevent dissent prevent revolt um and that that's what the film's sort of alluding to but then of course there's the bit when they go to the museum as well um and like you know you've got these like sort of the type of event that i would probably go to actually like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I can like, see you slotting in there. Like wine, champagne, nibbles, talking about obscure pieces of art on the wall. You know what I mean? Like, 
but um but obviously like you know there's that sort of tension as like oh you know who's welcome here and who isn't i mean they even say when they walk past the police officer that, and the police officer is really polite to them they say oh even the pigs are polite they're polite here i was you know that's what they say in the movie and um you know there's a really interesting interesting construct going on there about sort of like identity and place and how segregated the city is and it's really and I'm, I'm glad it does that because it's like even when they go into the center of paris it isn't about you know sort of like tourist or sort of archetypal paris it's about how of their experiences and their identity how is that in conflict with paris or the image of paris anyway um final point i want to make as well um is it blends comedy with pathos so it's like it's quite fun. Sometimes it's quite funny. It is. Yeah, it is very funny at points. It is really, really funny. But at the same time, it's like that's complete. It cuts through with the sort of like the sadness and the sort of like the hopelessness that you feel um, from the environment that they're growing up in. Um, and that, I think, is why there's so many references to De Niro movies, specific the Robert De Niro movies, actually, because there's that scene when he's in the when. Uh, Vinny's and looking at himself in the mirror and he's basically mimicking Robert De Niro and he's like, you looking at me? Like it's the taxi driver scene. Um, and of course in that movie, the whole Travis Bickle's argument with, with the world is that basically like he he thinks it's, you know, it, it, he can't find his place in it. Um, and then there's the, when they go watch the boxing, obviously there's the reference to Raging Bull, sort of like the rage and tension and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of references there to sort of like... Um, lots of nods to sort of like classic cinema and um which is why the film has its has its sort of like power in a way because on the one hand you've got all the politics and the race and the constructions of, of all that all at play with the cinematography but then you've got all the actual film itself is wanting to situate itself in the can in that canon of sort of like classic movies it sees itself as saying something profound which is it is i think yeah, and I think this adds to what I was, what I was mentioning before is that you know it's quite artistic in what it does. Like some of the scenes, it just cuts away, or it doesn't cut away. Sorry, it includes within within the shot things that aren't necessarily too relevant to that scene, but are there for a bit more like a, an artistic element. For example, when they're in that like abandoned space, it doesn't really narrow it down because most of the places they're in are abandoned, like nondescript abandoned spaces, but where that guy's break dancing, yeah. there's people just round him watching it. And then it just focuses on him spinning on his head for a bit. And obviously it's not a, it's not a plot point at all. It's just something symbolic metaphorical links in with what's going there but the whole film it goes between sections like that and as you say the references to De Niro films there is an artistic element to it which I think adds to what I was saying the kind of like timeless feel to it but I think what you were saying then is probably more relevant that cinematic it's trying to place itself in this like very cinematic uh, scene and in the world of cinema and I think it does succeed in that, as you as you say, like from the references it, it makes, but also the way that it shoots these more arty bits. But the characters also are there juggling metaphors and symbolism because that story that I mentioned, but then, then the guy who's in the toilet who comes out, the old guy in the toilet, oh, tells yeah. the story yeah. about him being on the train. 
to Siberia and then his friend freezing to death because he was teasing him so much that when they all went outside to relieve themselves when the train stopped and he went behind a bush because he was too embarrassed because he'd been teasing him, but then he didn't get back on the train, froze to death. Like they, they contemplate in the meaning of that, like what's the point of it? The whole film, even though it's gritted, it has symbolism running throughout for the audience, but there's the the characters are grappling with metaphor and symbolism as well so there's an artistic element all the way through the film and like i say i think that works because it rounds itself off at the end it's not arty for the sake of being arty and i think that's a big plus to it i just want to roll back to something you said right at the beginning of the points you were making there and the idea of unity where you mentioned that the characters aren't really that united even though they are essentially best friends like it's mm. suggested that they hang around with each other all the time the thing that does unite them is hate yes. they fall out yeah, constantly yeah. they don't necessarily have the same things in common they're interested in taking different routes for example vince is got violence on the mind he has the gun he wants to kill a police officer saeed's kind of bounces between the two a little bit and Ubert is very much trying to get himself out of there. He's started this gym that gets burnt down and he speaks to his mom and says he wants to get out of that setting and he's encouraging to rein back their violent tendencies. And obviously at the end, he's the one who um, expels the most violence. And that's one of the clever points of the film that really builds that because his hate, even though the, the suggestion is that he's tried to fight that hatred even though it's come at him from all angles, his gym's uh, been burnt down by the rioters, who he, he, in theory, would be back in. But then also the police um, brutality against him and the comments and the racist comments against him. And then the police um, harassing of him and his friends finally get to him. And the suggestion there then is that the hate and segregation is so much that even the one guy who's been won over and believes there's a better life out there gets dragged into it and actually enacts the the violence in the end and that is the i think that's what's so powerful about it and that's why it's so clever how it rounds off but the point there is and what the film does represent all the way through is that hatred and tension that's built up between the two sides with the state being represented by the police and then obviously as they get into central palace there's central paris is more representation through like the bourgeois society mm. but then the rioters representing the the group that the state controlling as you say there with all the history elements that you um alluded to callum it's that segregation between um the kind of middle classes and pushing the non-desirables out of the city and letting them do what they want and then basically when it all kicks off using that against them the suggestion i think the ang big angle of the film is it's not just depicting like city violence and poor groups kicking off against the police and the state it's suggesting that the state wants that to happen and allows it and therefore um puts that group of people in a box and uses that against them so they can keep this societal structure. And it's all about, as we say, what rounds it off at the end, the the kind of symbolism of that story of the man falling off the building. The suggestion is that actually 
the ruling class wants to keep society in that structure and the violence just gives even more reason to kind of crush that element in a way and that is basically what is playing out there is yeah no i agree there is one exception though isn't there when they go and see his friend snoopy um who is this sort of like he lives in like a really fancy apartment um yeah yeah is that what he's called They, they, they they refer to him as snoopy don't they um and like he lives in this fancy apartment um, and the rest, all the other residents think that, you know, he's just, he's one of us mm-hmm. because he lives yeah. in this particular area, you know, like, and, but actually like there's the rev, he, he does the reference to when he tries to pretends to should have shoot himself basically. Um, and it's about sort of like how you act and how you, what you, what you look like. Um, Again, linking to the sort of the race and the class construct, in the sense that like he when they when they go to the because that's just shortly before they go to the gallery, and there's a way to act, there's a way to speak, there's a way to be. You know what I mean? So it's about like sort of like yeah. actual sort of actual representation as well of what it looks like. What what does it look like to be middle class? What does it look like to be part of the bourgeoisie? What does it look like to be accepted? And of course, that's all in conflict when you add race into the into the into the mix. Yeah, and as you said right at the beginning Callum, it's so layered the film because it's not just sectioned in the way of oh poor wealthy and that's what divides the city. Within that is the, are the racial elements and in and that's both um from down upward looking downward but also within the um mix of people in the poorer areas as you say being racist to each other and there's all those elements of society um like the kind of ruling classes pitting other people against each other but also then using those kind of forces and that tension and hatred against back on those people so that's why i think and it is very it gets murky and morally grey as well because in the end you don't really feel like you're backing anyone. Yeah, like that's true. the whole yeah. it's quite nihilistic in that sense. Like at any point you kind of get like Hubert, like you probably think he's the most moral one in the story that you get behind, but then he's driven to shooting someone at the end. And you don't really know by the end of it who you're behind, if anyone. So there's a whole feeling of despair at the end where you've watched this whole film and you're not actually rooting for anyone. It's just kind of like, that all happened. Why? Mm. Who are these people? Everyone's flawed. And it's a really nihilistic feel to the end of the film. But that's the power of it, of basically saying that that's what that structure enforced um, leads to. And I think that's why, as I said, it rounds itself off well because there is a, a genuine feeling and end point to what it's what it's trying to do, but yet still le- leaves you feeling a little bit empty at the end. And I think that's quite powerful from from what the film aims to do. Right, we could go round in that quite a long time because, there's, as I said, there's a lot of detail within it. But give me your closing remarks, Callum. Round all that off if you can, and give you a mark out of ten, please. Um, yeah, so it's a movie about race, class, and gender. Put sort of simply, um, 
But it's also a movie about how the mechanics of the state all sort of uh, complicate those concepts in a way. Um, it's also a film that's incredibly relevant. I mean, the, we're still having these debates about um, sort of constructions of state power, um, race, class and gender and how all that plays out when poverty um, is involved. Like um, the analogy of the guy falling out of a building and it's say, oh, so far so good. I haven't, I haven't hit the ground yet. But then eventually when that, when that hits, it's just like you're going to open a trap door and he's going to keep falling. Let's keep, keep, keep falling. It's just saying that these constructs that this film has identified, it's a never ending problem. And it feels like a film for our times. Um, it really does. Um, I'm going to give it eight out of 10 um, because whilst the constructions of all the themes within it are brilliant, um, I, I did, there was a point, point in it where I felt like, it was just a little bit laboured in the middle. Um, I did lose focus a little bit, but that that's not a bad film. It's a fantastic film. And that's, yeah, that's that would be my closing analysis. Thank you very much. Callum? Yeah, so I'm going to repeat myself a little bit from what I said at the beginning, but I think that the artistic elements of the film really work well. It's very much steers into that classical... French art tradition, you know, that mm. you'd link with this kind of European, but then in a modern, grittier setting, which I think's pretty beautiful and pretty incisive that they managed to do it. And we've not even mentioned the, um, I think, one clear way that summarizes it and symbolizes it as well is when they do the remix of uh, Non Regret Rien, um, Edith uh, Piaf, and the DJ's blasting it out oh, yeah. of the window, and he does a kind of like yeah. um, hip <coughs> hip hop version of it. I think that symbolizes what the film's doing. <coughs> Do apologize, bit of a cough there. It's using like traditional artistic approaches, but putting this grittier modern take on it, and basically saying, "Look, this is what we believe French society and culture is." It's this art it's the history of um high thinking but this is what's happening on the ground and the, when these clash together this is what comes out of it so i think it does really well in trying to be artistic to make bigger points and achieving it i align with you callum absolutely that i just feel like it repeats itself too much in the middle it's making one grand point which works at the end but even though, yes, you have to show the mundane nature and the re repetition of life and that dullness to get to that end point. There's a lot of the same things happening. Like, they're arguing in every scene. I feel like, you, there's yes, I get the point that they're arguing a lot and they're only brought together by this hatred that unites them. But it's just, it gets a little bit too much, right? You're like, yes, I get it, I get it. And for a chunk in the middle, you just feel like you're watching the same thing repeat itself to actually get to the, the points later on, which are pulling that plot along. So that that brings it down a little bit for me. But I think all in all, it's a really well-made film. The points that it makes are executed well, and also the themes it explores are very relevant, and I think it gets to the core of them very well, and I agree. It's an 8 out of 10 film. 
And there we have it, Callum. There that was yeah. La M. We have watched a French language film there. We're taking this across the globe, getting some foreign cinema in there. And that's what we do at the Glacé <laughs> Film Club. And we will continue to keep checking out different releases, different genres, different styles. But of course, if there's anything else you would like us to check out, you'd like to hear our opinions and thoughts on, let us know. Follow us on Instagram, the Glacé Film Club, or drop us a review on Apple Podcast. Please, please give us a good one if you enjoyed it, because we do enjoy those. Um, and if you didn't, you know, just keep it to yourself. But also pop in there what you'd like us to see, any genres, any specific films, and we'll be sure to dive into those. But that's that. We've got plenty more episodes coming up, including a few conversations, but plenty more reviews. That's the important thing. Callum's going nowhere. I'm going nowhere. Keep listening. Thank you for listening. And until next time, that was another episode of the Glass A Film Club podcast. We'll see you all later. Bye-bye.